Pushkin. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Since the release of her 2013 Dan Auerbach-produced album, Pushing Against the Stone, Valerie June has become a critic's darling. Rolling Stone praised the Tennessee-born soul singer's unique voice as vinegary and slightly oddball, writing that she's equal parts Diana Ross and Dolly Parton. Well, I With every subsequent release, Valerie June has helped widen the scope of contemporary Americana music. She's one of few African-American women working in the genre today. Her unique combination of gospel with Appalachian folk is a shimmering example of what's possible in the roots music tradition. Broken Record producer Leah Rose caught up with Valerie to talk through her stunning new album. They also talk about Valerie's new collaboration with the legendary stack singer Carla Thomas and the mystical muse who inspires the chorus of voices that Valerie hears in her head. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's Leah Rose and Valerie June. Valerie starts off by singing a song off her brand new album, The Moon and Stars, Prescriptions for Dreamers. I know there is a place for me Help me to grow that I may living see 
A stream that flows a well knowing to find That holds the key and steals my chattering mind I know there is a home inside Window to soul where every dream abides Each breath is gold, a pathway light, a guide Garden to grow, keep on the sunny side Some call it prayer, some say it should not see Some sit and breathe, some fall on bended knees I'd be a fool to let it have a name Earth is a school to shine is why you came Some call it prayer, some say it should not cease I must agree it's how I find my peace I'd be a fool to let it have a name Earth is a school to shine is why you came I know there is a place for me Help me to grow that I may live in see A stream that flows a well knowing to find That holds the key, it steals my chattering mind It's beautiful. Thank you. So what inspired that? Did that start with the idea of trying to calm the chattering mind? Well, it started like most of the songs where, like, it just came. The first thing I heard was, I know there is a place for me. And then I waited. And then the rest started coming and it said, help me to grow that I may live in see. And I was like, ooh, okay, what am I growing for? <laughs> and and then it said, a string to flow, a well-knowing to find that holds a key and steals my chattering mind. And I was like, ooh, okay, I'm in now. So I wanted to know more after that. And that's when it said there's a home inside and it's a window to your soul where every dream abides and each breath is gold, a pathway, a light, and a guide. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I needed to hear that. It's always like the song comes to me and it's medicine that I needed in that moment. Mm -hmm. It's like they're little gifts for me. And that's why I call it prescriptions for dreamers because Mm -hmm. they're like little messages from, I don't know, maybe it's my ancestors or maybe Mm -hmm. it's God or the goddess or Buddha or whoever else we wanted, the universe, whatever we want to call it giving little seeds of messages that I need, you know. In 2013, I read that you labeled your style organic moonshine roots music. Does that still hold true for you? I stopped using the name organic moonshine roots music because I'm overusing that name. I don't even need a name anymore. Mm -hmm. At the point that I needed a name, it was, I was playing music a lot down in Helena, Arkansas and Clarksdale, Mississippi and busking and all around Memphis and in that area in the region. And people would hear my music and they would say, what kind of music is that? And I'd say, what kind of music do you think it is? And some people would say blues and some people would say gospel and some folk and some hillbilly music. And I was just like, 
gosh, I'm just going to think of a magical name for my music and and let that name be what I call it because I want it to be able to just be me and mm-hmm. not have all of those rules. And mm-hmm. I still feel like that. <laughs> like it's ethereal. It's magical. It's, it's what do we call music? It's really, really hard for musicians unless they're in a pure form and studying that. Yeah. And it seems like the only place those labels really matter are, you know, when you're being classified on Spotify in a certain playlist or even in like an old school record store where you have to be within a certain genre. But besides that, it's like it's what, you know, it doesn't even really matter. Yeah. And I find that many listeners, they don't much need the label title for the genre or whatever. If they like the song and it feels good to them, they respond to it. And that's all there is to it. And it's almost even better because if it's a song, if it's somebody who has like a clear parameter, like, you know, you hear people say, I like everything but country music. Mm-hmm. And it's almost better because then if you don't know what it is, you can like it. And then you find out, oh, no, it's actually country music. Yeah, because <laughs> I guarantee you that for people who do say that, because I used to say that. <laughs> like as a teenager, I would say, I like everything but country music. Mm-hmm. But I loved country music because I liked old country music. What mm-hmm. I didn't like was modern polished country music. And I like the country music that came out of my grandmother's church, which was just a bunch of old black folks singing at Highway 45 bypass Church of Christ. And singing with their southern accents as loud as they could with no instruments and it had a twang and that's what Mm -hmm. I was raised on. So you're probably still drawn to that. Oh yeah. Voices in the pure raw form and especially voices that are imperfect. I Mm. love that. If a voice Mm -hmm. breaks or cracks or quivers, Mm -hmm. I love that. So who are some artists that you love who have that characteristic with their voice? Karen Dalton has it with her voice. It's such an imperfectly perfect voice. Billie Holiday's voice is like that. They have these breaks. Etta James will hit points where her voice has this rust on it. It's just rusty like a galvanized tin that's been out in the sun in front of a trailer all day and for years and years and years. So voices that have that to it, you know, Orna Ball, she sang with her husband, E.C. E.C. and Orna Ball, her voice is so imperfect. Memphis Manny, Bessie Smith and Ma Rainey, any of the old sounds, when you listen to that, it doesn't sound clear and perfect all the way through, you know. There are points where you just hear raw emotion. Mm-hmm. And then how did you settle on your sound? Was there a certain point when you were just starting to play music where you felt like you had to pick a lane in a way? Did you experiment a little bit at first? Well, this is a not a ending question. It's an ever-present question. And basically what I did was I was in a band when, after I moved to Memphis and I sang only. I didn't play any instruments. But when the band broke up, I was just singing. And I worked really hard building a following for this band. And people would be like, where are you going to play? What's going on? When's the next show? 
and it was over. And I was like, you know what? I never want to experience this again in my life. I want to be able to accompany myself and do shows just me with an instrument, no matter what. And so my grandfather, when I was 14, he'd given me a guitar and I told him, I promised him that I'd learn to play, but I never did. So I was in my early 20s. And when the band broke up and I said, well, I might have to sit down and learn how to play this guitar. And so I got a chord book. And when you get a chord book, they show folk songs in there. Crawdad song, which I was raised on, Tom Dooley and the songs like that. So you learn the root. You learn the basic chords. You learn the foundation of music. And everyone who's anybody had to do that from you know John Hurt to Hendrix. It doesn't matter what style you play, you gotta learn that root. And so when I started to explore even further, because the books only have 20 or so pages, I was like, I wanna learn more songs, I want more. <laughs> so that's when musicians that were around me, because as a singer, I had a bunch of musicians around me. They'd be like, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this, Memphis musicians. And I gravitated towards things that reminded me of what I was raised on. Mm -hmm. And I was raised on like just Southern gospel and country and folk and blues and R&B and stuff. And so when I heard the Carter family, those songs were accompanied by guitar, but they were the same songs that I was raised singing a cappella in the church. So it blew my mind to hear them played that way because it was against the rules of the church to have instruments in the church. You'd go to hell for that. And so I was just kind of like, well, I want to learn how to play these songs with and with the instrument. I know how to sing them. I know a thousand songs. The book's full of like songbooks at church. There are about 900 to a thousand songs in there. So I had all of these melodies and lyrics and things floating around my head. And I just took them and started putting them to basic chords and creating my versions of them. And so the songs have always just told me what to do. They're the boss. If they want to be a blues song, they're a blues song. If they want to be a country song, they're a country song. If they want to be a rock and roll song or something like want to be on your mind or Astro Plane, which is kind of dreamy stuff then they'll be that. They're the boss. I, I get told what to do, basically. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that's nice, because then you don't have to wrestle with it in your head. It sort of takes some pressure off. It does. The hardest part is when a song tells you what it wants, but you can't afford to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so you started playing guitar in your early 20s, you said, and then you switched over to banjo. Was that a hard transition to make? Well, like the guitar being given to me by my grandfather, my first banjo was given to me. And I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it way more difficult to play a banjo than a guitar? I think it is. Yeah, it is. If you want to play it in a traditional way. Otherwise, if you play it like I play it, which is whatever way you feel like it, then you just make it your own. Um, but if I'm trying to like go by the book on the banjo, yeah, there's no comparison to the going by the book on the guitar versus banjo. But um, yeah, it was given to me. And like the guitar, I let it sit around and collect dust for a few years. <laughs> and then it started calling me. It said, I have a song, I have a song. And so the first time I sat with it was just 
writing a song. I think I could write a song on almost anything that makes sound. <laughs> but actually knowing how to play that instrument up and down, that's the life's work for me. And I work on that every day now. Now that I have this life where I don't have to get up and go work three jobs, that's what I do. <laughs> do you take lessons or are you completely self-taught? Self-taught. Do you do like YouTube tutorials or do you just sit with the instrument and figure it out? When I want to learn a cover song, I'll watch videos on it on YouTube. And I think that's so amazing about this technology in our time that we can learn anything we want to learn. And I think that contributes to artists not having limited limits as far as what they create. It being inspiration from artists from India or Africa or Ireland, you know, you can just go all the way into Brazilian music or anything mm-hmm. you want to learn right at the click of a fingertip, you know, on a button. So um, I lean on the the internet quite a bit and, and I kind of trust my ear some now, but really I just trust my ear with singing. So sometimes I can pick out a part and I'm like, Oh, yeah, I'm proud of myself because when I first started in my early 20s, I could not tell you what a saxophone was or a berry sax compared to a, any of the other horns. The only one I really knew was blaring saxophone clearly and mm-hmm. um, trumpet. <laughs> Trumpet's my favorite horn. But I couldn't distinguish which was what in music. I listened to music as a whole versus getting inside of it and being able to say that right there is the bass and then underneath that came this and under behind that came that. And so I had to learn how to hear like a musician and I'm still learning that. Can you now write music or can you direct players to play certain parts that you hear in your head? Yes, that is how I do the songs. I can't write music, but I hum it, you know, and I'll just be like, okay, what I hear in my head, I know is a horn and it goes like this. And I'll just be like, that's what the horn's supposed to do. And you're a horn player, so... How can you <laughs> yeah. translate that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can do the drum part and the bass and guitar, everything. The feel of it. But I'm not uh-huh. so good at drums. I'm getting better at that, but I'm not so good at that. But with my songs, there's all the layers of voices because I hear it in voices. So I'll just sing the hum like the line and put that in there and be like, this is what I hear as a horn or whatever. And a lot of times, like say working with Jack, I would say, I hear something that's going and it's a drum. And and we will like get the drummer to play that, you know, just get them to play that part. And so that makes it easier because when I first started, I would hear it and I wouldn't know how to talk to the musicians because I was intimidated because they knew real chord names like E sharp, flat, whatever. Right, <laughs> right, right. Like, <laughs> like, damn, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. That's but so I'm intimidating. Bumping, da 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 da, and Gaga Goo Goo with the baby talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, is it does it usually happen that the melody comes first to you, or do the voices? Do you hear the voices first, and then you put a melody under the voices? It's 
melodies and then the words start to morph. And sometimes I don't even get words. Like it'll just stay like a chant almost, you know? So it'll just stay a hum and a chant. And I really feel like sometimes I actually need a producer to be like, nope, don't put that voice down. Like you already put down 500. So like <laughs> that's enough voices. They keep, as soon as one comes in, another one comes in, another one comes, it's like a symphony or something. <laughs> Where do you think that comes from hearing a chorus of voices in your head? I don't know, but it does. It's like such an iridescent thing to me. Like it's a, like I love it and I'm glad I get to go there and I want to take my listeners there. Like it's a space where we can walk in there and we can sit there and we can be in it and let the voices swirl around it. How often does the final product reflect what you first heard in your head? Do you ever actually get there? Mm-mm. I never do, ever. And that can be a little bit frustrating, but also at the same time, I marvel at whatever it is that's bigger than us. <laughs> We're like always just inspired by something bigger. And, and, you know, it's more real in the dream, in the voice that I heard in my head. If I can live there, then I don't get frustrated because it's never the same as what I heard in my head. It always comes out different. And sometimes it comes out better. That's good. <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> At least there's that. <laughs> yeah. So it does. It happens all kinds of ways. <laughs> it must be frustrating if you don't have the language to express what you're hearing. You're trying to put this thing together that only you're hearing. And if you're working with someone like Jack Splash, how do you communicate that to him? Do you play him samples of other music do you just sort of like sit and hum in front of him? <laughs> Which does sound funny, doesn't it? Yes. I have to be working with someone that I feel comfortable enough to, to sing the baby talk to. And Jack is certainly a person like that because he like makes everyone feel so safe and comfortable with their form of creativity. And then also, yes, I would play him like, samples of things and and he would play me samples of things just to be sure that what I described to him is the same as what he's receiving because when you're in the room with another person and y'all are getting ready to make music you can say play a drum roll that sounds cloudy like a thunder like the back rolls of thundery drums on some of the t-rex stuff that Tony Visconti produced but they might hear that differently. So how you land at it is just like, there's got to be something that's marvelously bigger than you that guides that. <laughs> you know? yes. I don't know what to call it, but maybe the music, mystical music muse or something is guiding the whole process, the little fairy coming and guiding it to make sure that everyone hears the song the right way. Do you ever worry that you're going to get cut off from that source? No, I don't. I don't worry because it's been with me since I was a little kid, like since before I can remember. And I know that, you know, there are other forms of art that I love and I do. Like I draw and I write poems and I don't just hear the singing voice. Sometimes I hear speaking voice where it'll be like, 
tips reading me a poem. So I try not to limit it. And one of the goals of my life is one of the people I worked with who I thought was such a brilliant person was Richard Swift because he was, he would paint, he would produce, he would play every single instrument on something. I mean, he just, he loves photography. He didn't have like a limit to his creativity. And a lot of musicians are creative outside of music. Many of them paint, like I think Amanda Shires does and Margot Price might. Joan Baez. Yeah, Joan Baez mm-hmm. and, and um, Joni Mitchell. As long as you're just staying in the flow and keeping that creativity, the voice will always come back around. It'll always come back. We'll be back with Valerie June and Leah Rose after the break. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. It's almost here. The NYX anniversary sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast. Audible invites you to enter the Boar's Nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. We're back with more from Valerie June. You took four years between the last album and this album. Was there some sort of pivotal moment where you thought, okay, I'm ready to start this whole creative cycle over again? 
no, I don't really stop. Four years, that record came out in March 2017. And then I toured for three years. And then we hit coronavirus last year. So that was me stopping. But mm-hmm. I really don't stop. What I do is I just tour. <laughs> I tour on a record for a long time, which in the, if unless you're coming to shows, then you would think, yeah, what's Val doing? You know, but it was really something to be home, actually, because I spend more days gone than I do at home. Is it harder for you to write when you're on the road? No, I usually write no matter what. Songs come in dreams. So I write sometimes in my sleep, like on this record, Why the Bright Stars Glow came in a dream so I just my biggest thing is just to be open to the song whenever the song wants to come Mm -hmm. and ready to capture it in some form on my cell phone or rolling over and scribbling it down or whatever it is while I'm cooking sometimes the songs will come I'll have to be like I gotta I'm getting the song I gotta capture just a little snippet and I can go back later and and continue with it or whatever. So it sounds like it, it it almost comes when you're focused on something else. Oh, yeah. Yeah. If I sit down and try to write a song, it's over. Uh-uh. I cannot. I mean, I can do it if I have a songwriting session with someone and we say, we're going to write a song. But even then, it's hard. I do not like it. I want to learn how to like it. I want to learn how to write songs about blue cars when someone asks me to write a song about a blue car. <laughs> But yeah, like the hardest part about the writing and stuff is that it's just making a record is getting in the studio with the musicians and having the time and knowing the right producer. Like with this producer search, I met so many amazing producers that I loved. And that alone took about six months. Wow. Going to Nashville and different cities and having tea and trying a little demo with someone and seeing how it felt and if they were mm-hmm. right for these particular songs and stuff. So all of that stuff takes time. But the writing of the actual song, that song where I'm able to play just acoustic guitar and sing it no matter what layer of production I put on it, that comes when it wants to. Mm-hmm. So you settled on Jack Splash for the new album. He's worked with Kendrick Lamar, John Legend, Alicia Keys. What was it about his sensibility that you really liked? (laughs) I loved working with Jack because he's like a kaleidoscope in the way he appreciates music and art. And I just wanted to be working with someone who saw the world magically and like similar to what I described about Richard, had no limit to their appreciation of whatever it is that makes us creative. (laughs) Whatever that thing is, just loves and appreciates it from fashion to art in his house, to books in the studio, to everything just is filled with inspiring moments, no matter where you look in his space. So I just wanted to work with him because of that. You want to work with people that you feel like you're going to add them to your tribe and they're going to be a part of your family. Because it's such a vulnerable process. It is. Singing (laughs) baby talk to just anybody? No, it doesn't work. (laughs) Even around the house with my boyfriend, he's like, 
is it over yet? You just sang the same thing like again and again for like freaking hour. You're like, thanks for the encouragement. No, he's super sweet. He <laughs> produced the last record, but I do know that living in a tiny New York apartment yes. and, and singing the same thing again and again can drive anybody crazy but the person who's doing it. <laughs> Did you assemble some sort of audio mood board for the new album? Did you go in there with a set of sounds that you played for Jack? I created a document. And it had songs that inspired so he could get the vibe that I was trying to create with the song. And then it also had like quotes and poems so that he would be in the headspace for what I was trying to create. And it also had words. Do you remember what any of those words were? Yeah, let's see. Cinematic, that was a word that I wanted it to be. And, oh, I loved what he'd worked on with Tank and the Bangas, especially Mm. the song Colors Change. And um, the vintage sounds and the reverb on Teenage Love Affair that he did with Alicia Keys. And the raspiness of the drums on Fool for You that he did with CeeLo. So I went through everything he did and I extracted like things that I knew I was already hearing on my songs. And um, just so he could know in relation to stuff he's already done, like sounds that he's already captured that I love, that I'm like, this is the one that has to be on that particular song too, that feel or that reverb or that tone or whatever. So that, and then... Odd and dreamy sounds. I said I want some vibraphones, some xylophones, some birds, some chimes, some planes, harps. <laughs> I was just like, I was going naming all of it. And then the words are ethereal, dreamy, magical, otherworldly, flowing, multi-era, multi-genre, soul, heart, colors, consciousness, adventurous, simmering space. He goes on. I mean, the man probably <laughs> thought I was freaking nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk through some of the songs. Is there anything in particular, any song that you want to start with or you want to break down for us? We can start with Call Me a Fools. With Carla Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. How did that happen? So... I lived in Memphis for 10 years and I'd seen Carla all around and people would be like, she doesn't really play much anymore or go out. And I didn't feel like she was someone that I could just walk up to and approach. So I reached out to Boo Mitchell, who runs uh, Royal Studios, which is Willie Mitchell's studio. And I said, boo, do you know how we can get in touch with Carla? Because I got a song and I would love to have her sing on it. And he was like, yep. And he got me in touch with her sister, Venice. And Venice um, got me in touch with Carla because Carla doesn't have a phone. And so she lives in a different, like her time and everything is just so great. It's so different. And, and so Boo was able to organize that for me. And I went into his studio and we had, we met at about 10 a.m. And we did the song. And then after that, we hung out till about 12 a.m. We went wow. to see a show in Memphis. We didn't have any of this planned either. It was just like kids in college or something going in like, let's do this now. Let's do oh, that now. So Having nice. wine and talking and listening to stories about Rufus Thomas. 
it was amazing. Oh, she is a, she's a star. So what did you ask her? Do you remember anything specific that you wanted to know once you all were out and comfortable and, and talking? I really just listened because she has so many stories. And I think that, I mean, I hope that people start to interview her to get some of these stories captured because she was there, you know, she was with Otis. I did ask her about that. I was like, what was it like being in the room with Otis? She just, I mean, it was as powerful and magical as you could have thought it would be. And she has countless stories. Well, that's cool. That sounds like such an amazing experience. It was. Is it important for you to record music in Memphis and using Memphis players and just sort of like carrying on a Tennessee tradition? I think unconsciously it is (laughs) because with everything I've done, there's been some home in it. Like my last record, my father and my brothers were on it. And, you know, just I feel like I've always got to have home in what I'm doing. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your household growing up, what you learned about music as a young girl and how your family sort of came together and and how music was a part of the family. Well, I have two brothers and two sisters and I'm the oldest girl. So um, we were always singing around the house, being that our church was a church where no instruments, only voices. And we all knew as many songs as I told you earlier. <laughs> and so if somebody started a song, then everybody else would just jump in on it, you know, and harmonize and start doing that part while we were on our way to school or working in the yard or cleaning up the dishes after making dinner. I mean, it was like the sound of music in a lot of ways, <laughs> you know, because if somebody started a song, it wasn't going to end until we had sang the hell out of it. <laughs> and so my mom and dad, they, my father was a music promoter and he also had a construction business, which helped him on the times when the music business wasn't as prosperous. And um, and we all helped in his businesses. We, we worked in all his businesses. So I learned a lot about promoting music from being with him. And I think he was one of the greatest inspirations for me when I moved to Memphis, being able to share my music and, and promote it with people, like hanging flyers on poles and <laughs> making up these flyers and handing them out and be like, come to my show, come fearlessly promoting myself. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I was able to do that. And I think that all my brothers and sisters got a little bit of that hustle from being a part of my parents' businesses. And, you know, it was a good good time singing with them. <laughs> Do you think being the oldest of five kids, does that give you sort of like an inborn confidence? Do you think there's something to birth order and the way that people hold themselves in the world? My my friend, one of my best friends, she says that there is. My brother is one brother older than me and then all the rest. But what I find is that it makes me bossy. <laughs> I have to like tell myself sometimes like, no, no, just stop. Don't be bossy because I'm really bossy. 
I get that though, because you had a little a little army of people under you and you need to order them around. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing because confidence is something I totally have had to work on over years of my life and still do. So. <laughs> do you remember the first time you got up and played in front of people? I do. This usually what would happen is at the holidays, we'd all get together during the, you know, say it was Christmas during the day, I'd say to my siblings, let's have a show. Let's put on a show. (laughs) And so after we'd opened the presents and everyone had eaten, then we'd say to Gran and all my aunts and uncles and all the kids, we're going to do a show. And we'd go to the living room and we would get in front of everybody and we'd sing like we were Jackson (laughs) 5. And of course, everybody else felt the infectious nature of music and they'd join in. So the whole family would just be getting down at the holidays. <laughs> so that was me and my brothers and sisters promoting little shows in the family. And then in the fourth grade, Mr. Wallace in Humboldt, where I went to uh, elementary school, we were studying uh, Woody Guthrie, and I love the song, This Land is Your Land. And I said, Mr. Wallace, when we come back after lunch, can I get in front of the class and sing This Land is Your Land? And he was like, can you sing? And I was like, yeah. And and I said, yeah, I can do it. So he let me get up and sing it. And I don't think they much like my voice, but I did it anyway. <laughs> you have to be confident to do that. Yeah, it didn't stop me, you know. <laughs> They might have called me a fool, but I went and did it. <laughs> and I always wanted to sing like, you know, in high school, they'll choose the best singer to sing the national anthem. Oh, I really wanted to do it. But I knew I didn't have the voice that was pleasing to everyone. <laughs> so, <laughs> Did you do theater and stuff like that in high school? Um, no, I was a cheerleader. And then I became a captain of the cheerleading squad. So that was me being a bossy person. (laughs) (laughs) Bossiness just running the common thread. Would you do like flips and everything? Like were people throwing you up in the air? I was too heavy for that. (laughs) I was a base. I would throw people up. It was fun. I really enjoyed it. And I think I'm kind of like a cheerleader now for other musicians in some ways, you know, like. I did a playlist recently, it's Young, Gifted, and Black, and it's just all these musicians that we have around us that are multi-genre, that are amazing, that, you know, we need to celebrate who they are and just, Mm -hmm. like, lift everyone up, just keep everyone inspired to dream. We'll have more with Valerie and Leah Rose after a quick break. Every week at Broken Record, we meet with legends of the industry to uncover the meaning behind the music, the strategy and history that separate the good from the truly great. That's what Mark Chaikin does, but for the U.S. stock market. Mark is a creative legend in his own right. He worked on Wall Street for 50 years, invented three new indices for the NASDAQ, and has predicted some of the biggest market shifts of the past decade, including the recent mania in AI stocks. Now Mark says we're seeing a similar shakeup in the financial markets. He's calling this a new dawn for the U.S. stock market and predicts dozens of specific stocks will soar in the next 90 days. You can watch Mark's presentation for free at marketmessage2024.com right now. Again, the link to watch is marketmessage2024.com. 
marketmessage2024.com. That's marketmessage2024.com. It's almost here. The NYX anniversary sale starts this Thursday, May 9th at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. So mark your calendar this Thursday, May 9th for the NYX anniversary sale. Get 30% off all leak-proof underwear, shapewear, activewear, and more. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Don't miss this. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash, alongside a full ensemble cast, Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest. Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. We're back with Valerie June singing an acoustic version of her song, Astral Plane. Well, is there a light that you have inside you can't touch? A looking glass I can only show you so much If you follow the suns Slowly but steady Don't rush Then the day will come When you're ready Just trust you be dancing on the astral plane And holy water glens and rain Floating through the stratosphere Blind but yet you see so clear Well is there a way For you to shine without fear You're from other worlds But you can't see what keeps you here. Dancing on the astral plane in holy water cleansing rain Floating through the stratosphere Blind but yet to see so clear 
Dancing on the astral plane And holy water cleansing rain Floating through the stratosphere Blind but yet to see so clear Blind but yet to see 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 so clear Is there a way For you to give it your all You're dreaming a dream Of sweeter things Things great, things small Dancing on the astral plane And all the water cleansing rain Flooding through the stratosphere Blind but yet to see so clear Dancing on the astral plane And all the water cleansing rain Floating through the stratosphere Blind but yet to see so clear Blind but yet to see 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 so clear Well there is a light you have inside you can touch mm. that is so beautiful it always reminds me that you know of the light that I came to be in the world so hopefully it'll do that for other people too and it almost feels like you're trying to protect that light in the song most definitely that's why I per- Dreamers need prescriptions <laughs> for protection of the loving kindness and the sweetness of their hearts and and the dreams that they want to share. A lot of the imagery is, you know, floating above the earth, blind, but you can see. Do you feel like you need that to protect yourself from, from the harsh reality of the world? Yeah, but I think at the same time, what's happened is that... I understand the blues and the happiness of it and the joy of it and the processing of the harshness and like not running away from it, but walking right through it and looking at the world and seeing the astral world within this physical world. And it's all here and how wondrous and amazing all of that is just being here on earth. And the magic of us being here, I mean, we have, mm-hmm. like, trees, for example, we can hug. <laughs> <laughs> this stuff is really a gift, you know? The full moon tonight, the stars, all of these things. I saw three shooting stars the night I finished working with Jack on this record. And just like those things, you don't have to go far to see what I would call something bigger than you. And some people might call it God or mm-hmm. something else, but I call it just beautiful. <laughs> and so you don't have to go far for it. How have you, because you faced a lot of adversity in your life. There was a period of time when you were very sick for a number of years. How have you been able to get through seriously trying times? Like just having a practice of light and that being dance, that being music, baths, poems, yoga, 
mantras. Like some days I just have to say again and again to myself all day from the moment I get up, thank you for this life. Thank you for this life. Thank you for this life. And like, just, I have to say that again and again and again, because, you know, I mean, there are days when I just don't feel good, yeah. like physically, like being, dealing with the diabetes, it's like every day is a different day. Like some days I feel like I have the energy for the world and other days I don't. And mm. I just have to work on that and I have to be in it and not fight it <laughs> and just mm-hmm. be like, okay, I see the body doesn't want to do that much today, but I'm going to gently tell it to dance to this Swamp Dog song real quick (laughs) you know so you just meet it where it is every day just like with the voice sometimes the voice is able to hit super high notes and then sometimes it sounds like low like it in the morning when you first wake up you Mm -hmm. meet it where it is until it's ready to be beautiful and clear like Alison Krauss at the end of the day (laughs) in the morning it's Alan Wolf at the end of the day it's it's Alison Krauss (laughs) do you look back at old songs listen to lyrics and think, wow, I've, I've come a long way, or I completely don't agree with that. Whatever I was saying, wherever I was back then, I've moved on. Usually don't look back much, but when I do, like when something makes me look back, like for example, with the song Shotgun, someone wanted me to be on a podcast dealing with murder ballots. Mm. And there was a time in my life where I did study murder ballots. But I felt like after all the things that happened in our nation with, you know, gun violence and things, and even in African-American communities, how we struggle with that, mm-hmm. that I didn't want to sing that song ever anymore. It can be on a record, but I just don't feel like, I feel like you know when a song is right for a time and when it needs to just like, that came out and it's out and that's that. <laughs> and it doesn't need to go. If people want to hear it, they can put the record on, you know. I was wondering how you felt about working women blues. I ain't fit to be no mother, I ain't fit to be no wife. If that's something that still holds for you or if that's just not even really a proclamation from yourself, that's just part of the song. It's part of the song and it's really just dealing with like women feeling free enough to be mm-hmm. what they want to be and not have to find any kind of set way to be. But if I look at it personally, I tried to be a wife twice. That didn't work. <laughs> so maybe I ain't fit. And maybe that's one of them premonition songs. <laughs> I wish it wasn't, because Lord knows I love a good love story. But uh, <laughs> yeah, Matt and I are not getting married. I think I messed that up a couple of times. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I wish you so much luck with the new album. Super exciting. I hope you're able to get out and perform once everything hopefully writes itself in the world. Thank you. I hope so. Thanks to Valerie June for singing and sharing her journey with us. Valerie put together a playlist for us of her favorite imperfect voices. You can find a link to it in the episode description. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, at youtube.com slash broken record podcast, where you can find extended cuts of new and old episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at Broken Record. Broken Record is produced with help from Leah Rose, Jason Gambrell, Martin Gonzalez, Eric Sandler, and Jennifer Sanchez, with engineering help from Nick Chafee. Our executive producer is Mia LaBelle. 
Broken Record is a production of Pushkin Industries. And if you like the show, please remember to share, rate, and review us on your podcast app. Our theme music's by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Peace. Every week at Broken Record, we meet with legends of the industry to uncover the meaning behind the music, the strategy and history that separate the good from the truly great. That's what Mark Chaikin does, but for the U.S. stock market. Mark is a creative legend in his own right. He worked on Wall Street for 50 years, invented three new indices for the NASDAQ, and has predicted some of the biggest market shifts of the past decade, including the recent mania in AI stocks. Now Mark says we're seeing a similar shakeup in the financial markets. He's calling this a new dawn for the U.S. stock market and predicts dozens of specific stocks will soar in the next 90 days. You can watch Mark's presentation for free at marketmessage2024.com right now. Again, the link to watch is marketmessage2024.com. That's marketmessage2024.com. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.